Erosion Chapter 6 I have seen that in any great undertaking, it is not enough for a man to depend simply upon himself. Lone Man, Teton Sioux John walked through the streets with the day's worth of research that his grandfather gave him, wrapped safely in his jacket when he came upon the preacher again. I can call up to the heavens and sow the rip in the sky. I can put the stopper in the clouds and dry your streets and your roofs and your fields. I will bring the sun to the sky and wash it as God commanded it to bring light upon the void in the beginning. Shit, John thought. I keep forgetting to avoid this corner. If I may, I will read to you from the Bible when God drowned the world in water for forty days and forty nights. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man who I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry I have made them. That may seem like hocus-pocus to you, the man in the middle of the sidewalk getting drenched despite his yellow raincoat pointed his finger. But to us, this is the word of God, the creator, not some frog or turtle. It is God who brings the rain from the heaven to wash the streets of our city of the lights of you, my friend. You belong where we put you. Now go and wait for judgment to come down and cast you to hell with the rest of the sinners. As usual, John chose inward rage to overt anger. He bowed his head and walked on, trying to ignore the accusations of his ancestry. Most people thought of those who lived on the reservations that way. They quietly tolerated them, but seethed underneath that the United were allowed to live independent on their land, as if it were an island nation surrounded not by water, but by New York State. For all he knew, the man was right. Still, there was enough of the old ways left in John so that he followed his grandfather's instructions carefully when he went to the library to copy the old articles and town documents. He tucked in against the splatter of rain and walked home, brooding. There was a time when he would rail against a man like that, but he didn't have the same fire anymore. Jail had taken most of the fight out of him, and this constant rain did the rest. Besides, the man was probably searching for someone to blame for this unnatural weather. He wasn't too sure the man was far off in his accusations. His grandfather and the rest of the council were shuttered up since the rain began. Supposedly, they were trying to find a cause for this rain. But, and John was reluctant to believe it, the tribe suspected that the white man might be the cause. Hey, where are you going? He turned around. A police car was waiting just across the street and an officer hung out the window pointing at him. John motioned to himself. Yeah, you genius. Nowhere, just walking. In the rain? Get over here, Chief. John slowly approached the car. He still hadn't gotten over the fact that when he saw a cop, he was probably guilty of something and had something to hide. Where are you going in the rain, Chief? The policeman said. John shrugged. Just going to town to get a few things. Since it was the truth, he felt less guilty. The cop stared at him. You've been arrested before, right? In this town, you'd never get away from it. Armed robbery, right? Yes. John bowed his head. Even though it was a bat and not a gun, it made very little difference. Get what you need and get back to the reservation. You understand? 
There's still some shit going on in town, and I hate to have to take you in and find out what you don't know. I don't know anything, John said again, truthfully. Don't get smart with me, Chief. I'm sorry. Just watch it. The police car drove away. John stood there for a full minute in the rain, deciding what to do next. He forgot the errands he had to run for his mother and made his way back home. In his mother's house, he found reprieve from the rain. He sat and ate mealy fruit from the bowl in the middle of the table and drank a can of beer. His mother was at work in the laundromat in town. Despite most businesses being closed, the laundromat tried to brave the weather and stayed open. It was becoming increasingly hard for the owner, as his mother's nightly complaining told. If she lost this job, there was no other for her. She was getting too old and arthritic to do much anymore. The beadwork she had done in her youth still decorated the walls of their home. He'd spent hours as a boy helping her make every beaded item they could think of to sell to the tourists at the reservation stores. In those days, it mattered little that his father wasn't around because between his mother's beadwork and his grandmother's no-face dolls, they brought in more than enough money. Grandfather's stipend for his organizational work for the United Nation made up for the rest. There were days before death, arthritis, and a drunken father who committed suicide in the same bedroom his mother still slept in. The guy had smelled their happiness and good fortune from miles away. He just had to come back and ruin it. Fuck it all, John thought. He hadn't held a decent job in years. The clerk position at the L-Nighter was just the latest in a series of go-nowhere, pay-nothing jobs. The checks from the casino that the United Nation built were good, but not enough for a family of three to live on. Besides, his reservation was one of those little pieces of acreage separated from the main Oneida reservation, so it was like a ghetto. His reservation still had Elmbark longhouses for meeting spots where the clan chief and his council held meetings without modern comforts. No wonder the whites of Canyon Park looked down on him. He was from a backward clan of a downtrodden race. The low sizzle of rain surrounded him. It beat on the doors, roof, and windows. It whispered to him day and night. He heard the voices on the rain. They told him he was no good to himself, no good to the tribe, and no good to his mother. It tempted him to do bad things like smash and grab from the abandoned storefronts in town at night when no one was out. So far, he resisted. So far, he managed to keep his nose clean, like today. He learned to walk on and let the predicament go by like so much wind or water flowing past his front steps. He would probably kill himself if it lasted any longer. The door squeaked. He thought his mother had returned early from work, but it was his grandfather that cast a long shadow from the standing lamp. He was dressed in ceremonial headdress, but that was as far as the traditional outfit went. His clothing was typically modern, mustard-colored button-up shirt and jeans. After a long, judging stare, Grandfather smiled. He grabbed one of the mealy apples with his large, wrinkled hands. John remembered how he held his little hands in those big ones when he was young. In his grandfather's hands was the history of his clan, the turtle. And every knuckle and wrinkle was another lesson of how they suffered and died, or suffered and survived. How was your day? grandfather asked with almost no fluctuation in his voice, as if stealing himself for bad news. I went to the library like you asked and then came home. John tapped the curling pages set on the table. Grandfather relaxed and smiled. He took off his kastawa, his headdress, and laid it on the table next to the papers. The turkey feathers were worn and yellow, then it smelled of musk, sweat, old things. 
Water drip from the tips making a little pool on the table. Are you getting anywhere in the council? We are close to a decision about this rain. The spirits guide our eyes to the truth, but it cannot always be seen clearly. It is fogged by something, and we do not know what. It will take some time to figure out. So, nothing yet? We are close, Grandfather said again. We only need time. We got lots of that here, just look around. You make light, but if more young people would join with us, we would be strong like a net. No one could ignore a tightly woven net. We could become a force in this place. We could do good things and restore pride. John waved his hand over the table, dismissing his grandfather. We need money, grandfather, not magic. We need pride before anything, and drinking will not bring you pride. It takes away pride, like your father. Staying here did no one any good. It didn't mean nothing. We get a little from the casino and the bingo, but it's not enough for us to live on. That's because you don't know how to make the best of what we have to offer. You should look backward sometime and see the green past. You always look forward and see a black future. What about that lawyer from the nation that came around here? John hadn't heard anything about it after the first excitement when he showed up months ago promising that he'd help the village get some of their land claims settled. Most people forgot about the old suits brought against the government years ago. They never got anywhere, and with the Lalo family owning everything, they put up a block against everything the tribe tried to do. They had more money, friends, and power than the little turtle clan village. He is coming back today to talk about what he has accomplished with the state. It's very complicated. They make it complicated, John said. The they was always the same, whether it was the government, the Lalos, or white people in general. They all acted the same to the Oneida, except a few. What do you see in our future? I see a future where we live with the white people of Canyon Park in symbiosis. We learn and live with each other. I see a town washed of its rust and dirt and a tribe rich with soil, not dust. John got up and walked to the refrigerator. As much as he hated to admit, he liked the vision his grandfather portrayed, as naive as it was. I don't see that future. He contemplated opening another can of beer but knew his grandfather would oppose. Instead, he took out a bowl of corn and beans that his mother left from the dinner the night before. He grabbed bread and butter from the counter. His grandfather smiled as he sat back down. Use a plate for that, he said. Don't anger your mother. She doesn't need to come home to clean up after you. It hurts her hands to do those things. John obeyed and took a plate out of the cupboard. He buttered the bread and ate. Grandfather rose and gently picked his kastawa off the table. He seemed to inspect it for a while. The feathers were yellow and thin, yet he refused a new one every year. The old Kastawa had history and ancestry to strengthen its magic, he would say. We will find an answer together, he said. John smiled because Grandfather usually spoke to the Kastawa like an old friend in times of trouble. He looked up from his plate to see that Grandfather was addressing him this time, not the old feathers. You travel to town every day. I need you to become my eyes. See what is happening around there. Find out news beyond this rainy season. Rain will cause many to become rabid, but the source is much more deeply rooted in this land. We must help the white men find answers they seek. I can't. They hate me too. For some reason, the thought frightened him. You must put aside fear today, he said, as if reading the emotions inside him. You must delve and search. You must contact an emissary. That much the spirits made clear. We must pray for a bridge over the turbulent waters and bring the white man into the fold to tell our story 
when we know it fully. If we do not, then it threatens both our ways. Don't you sometimes think that we should just sell our claim and move away, John asked? He thought of that a million times before. Be just like other folks. Someone either live off their reservations. They work like regular Americans. We cannot let this die. Our six nations once stood strong. Because of Hyanwatha, we were a model of a nation and a better government than the whites. The Europeans divided us, broke us with war, and then tried to scrub away our culture. If we leave our traditions in the dust to be rebuilt by other men, then we lose who we were as a nation. Then they will have succeeded in washing us away. Who will remember our greatness? Who will live the Gaiwio of Handsome Lake? Should we become Christians? Live pridefully like white men? No, we need to stay here strong. We need to work with the white men, not become them. They need to be shown the true way of friendship. Why do you still help them after all they did to you? John never had to attend the Indian boarding schools like many of the Oneida from his reservation. He didn't know what went on there because no one really ever spoke about it. The silence was the reason why he knew that whatever did happen, it was evil. There was a sudden faraway look in his grandfather's eyes. John didn't regret asking about the painful past his grandfather had experienced at the hands of the Lalos and their ancestors when they tried to convert him to their faith and abused him when he refused. Only once did his grandfather confide that the priests would scrub his mouth with lie if he spoke his native tongue. That was why it was so important to remember the native languages and their customs, to show the evil spirits that they did not win. They did not scrub the Oneida away forever. John got it. He knew that there were lofty reasons not to give up. Looking at his situation, it was sometimes hard to go on believing. I want to help them because of something I learned from them. What's that? He could not imagine that Grandfather learned anything useful in those schools. A great prophet from one of their stories asked his father, the Great Spirit, to forgive the people for his own torture and death at their hands. Why? John was disgusted. They even tortured their own prophets. They hated anyone who tried to make them better. The Great Prophet said to the Great Spirit, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. His Grandfather picked up his kastawa, Try not to drink too much. I need you to get the list of papers I gave to you from the library for me today. He left to go to some other meeting of chiefs or another. John shook his head silently. After his grandfather left, he took another beer out of the fridge and drank while watching the rain outside his window. Something in his grandfather's forgiving nature inspired him. He went to the kitchen drawer and pulled out the old woven totem that his grandmother had made for him. On it was an image of a turtle, the holder of the world. His grandfather used to tell stories of how the people of the world should not make the great spirit angry so that the turtle would not be woken. Terrible things would happen. The turtle should never be woken, his grandfather had said. Oneida should never let the turtle's anger do for them what they could not do themselves. Who knows where the turtle's anger will turn next? Who will be strong enough to put the turtle back in his shoe? Erosion by Lon S. Cohen. 
To find out more, please visit www.coincide.blogspot.com. This patio book is a production of Zilco Studios. <laughs> this production is a production. <laughs> okay.